Good day, Savannah. I'm Adam Van Bremer, and this is the Commute Podcast from savannahnow.com. On this episode, the Georgia General Assembly convened Monday for the 2022 session, launching about three months' worth of budget debating and lawmaking. The dean of the Chatham County Legislative Delegation, House Representative Ron Stevens, joins the commute and outlines the big issues, such as what to do with a couple billion dollars worth of tax revenue surplus, as well as the priorities for us right here in Savannah. Today is Thursday, January the 13th, and this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. The gavels wrapped Monday morning at the Georgia Capitol and the Georgia legislature got to work. Well, sort of. The session's opening day was a short one as many of the UGA grads among the lawmakers hopped planes or into their cars to get to Indianapolis for Monday's college football national championship game. I caught up with one of them, Representative Ron Stevens, late last week ahead of the session's start. The original plan was to publish this interview on Tuesday, but that was before the arena opening was delayed and forced a change in the scheduling. Of course, you heard Van Johnson and Monty Jones on the podcast the other day. If you listen closely to today's episode with Ron Stevens, you'll pick up on the fact that we adjusted on the fly. Thank you very much for your understanding. As the lawmakers get back to work, it's important that they are comfortable. Same goes for us here in our own offices. That's where the commute's presenting sponsor and our favorite local business, National Office Systems, comes in. Like what I did there? Did tie that all together? Anyway, owner Scott Center and his team over at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the interview with Representative Ron Stevens. So as we sit here on, we're not recording it on this date, but it is posting on this date, Tuesday, January the 11th. I'm with Representative Ron Stevens, who is the chairman of the Chatham County Delegation to the Georgia General Assembly. And the General Assembly opened on the 10th. So as you listen to this, the General Assembly will have opened yesterday. Uh, I, I believe it was, it was, I'm going to use the past tense, even though it's in the future. It was probably a short day because I know most people wanted to get wrapped up and, and look ahead to the national championship game. But regardless, the session is open on the 10th. They're going to get to work here this week. And of course, uh, Representative Stevens is our point person when it comes to uh, driving legislation for the uh, Chatham delegation. So, Ron, let's start with the fact that this is this is year twenty five for you. That's that's quite a milestone. Would you have ever imagined back in the late nineties that you'd still be doing these doing this uh, all this time later? I did not. When I first got here, I figured two years max, and um, maybe four. Um, right. Honestly, it, it's like as soon as I got here, we were getting ready for our first redistricting, if you will. And I can remember being paired with Ann Mueller uh, mm-hmm. one time, and then being paired with Burke Bay another time, drawn together. And, um, and of course, I had three different houses at the time, and I just um, never would let them know where my permanent, because I was living in all of them, paid the bills. <laughs> so they had to change the law because of me, because they never could figure out where I lived. And it was a, uh, it was kind of interesting because I was, uh, that's probably the reason that I'm here for 25 years. Otherwise, I'd have been uh, having to run against one, uh, some of my senior members of the Republican Party. So it's, uh, it's funny, but to change the law, you got to be in, your district for a year before the election. Oh, before the election. Okay. Um, I can't, people can't jump around like they used to. 
So let, let's stay there for just a minute. So you were you were a practicing pharmacist at that point, a successful businessman. You only wanted to go in for two or four years. What I guess what made you go in, and why did you say I'm just going to be here this short period of time and then I'm out? You know what? It, it, whenever I started, my once we got Stevens Day done, because nobody had ever done that before, and it was it was kind of a crazy think out of the box kind of thing. And and of course now we got it in 74 taxing districts. It it one thing led to another, and all of a sudden I became the point person for um, tax legislation statewide. So. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I guess because more and more of the of the state picked up on the idea. And then the more you learn about it, the more you realize we needed to, to reform it, uh, if you will. So every time I, I've had enough, you know, I, I think I'm going to move on. Then, then in 2008, I can remember after I'd been there a while, I was getting the same feeling because the state was broke. We had two days operating capital. It was real difficult times. And I can remember going to Sunny Purdue and we were talking about the film uh, tax incentive to try to get us back into you know, stimulate our economy, if you will, and never dreaming would be bigger than California and New York. So issues keep coming up and they keep getting tossed in my lap. And I said, well, I'm going to stay here long enough to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> Every but time you're out, it. they drag you back. in yeah, we, and A little bit. And, and you know what? Once you're up here, it's it's um, the people that I represent are just amazing. They're salt of the earth. Uh, everyone from Bloomingdale to Bryan County. Uh, Liberty County that I'll be losing in the next year. It's been an amazing ride, um, and I'm looking forward to um, what the what's on the horizon. See what else we can we can do. As the session begins, there's going to be a lot of talk about some very polarizing issues, and we're going to circle back to a few of those to cap this discussion. But I want to talk about something that that is probably near and dear to everybody, whether they want to admit it or not, and that's the state income tax. Obviously, the 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 tax revenues, not just the income tax, but the total state revenues. Have are off the charts. They've surpassed all expectations. So now we sit here with, with more of a surplus than we expected. Uh, there's talk of of cutting the income tax. Of course, it was cut. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think a quarter of a point a couple of years yep. ago. There was talk of doing another quarter of a point. The pandemic hit. That was put on hold. As we sit at this session, and we're at, and, and meanwhile, there are there is a push by some gubernatorial candidates and some other folks to eliminate the income tax completely. But that's probably not this session. That's probably a session or two down the road, depending on how the election goes. What should we expect in terms of income taxes uh, as you guys build a budget and look at that this session? That, that's front and center. We've had conversations in the Ways and Means Committee all during the off session on how do we get there and how much can we uh, can we really make a difference with income taxes? And, and, you know, the people that are footing the bill for all this free stuff, if you will, to work in public. Uh, and to give these folks back, uh, if you will, from their taxes that they've paid in just seems reasonable. So I think you can expect an income tax uh, cut of some sort, some magnitude. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, the, one of the reasons we've got such a massive surplus of revenue, one of the reasons is uh, we've changed tax law, if you will, over the years. And, and once upon a time, some folks got away with a free ride uh, on the Internet sales, for example. We right. created a... Um, uh, the uh, a mechanism to get those revenues back into the state they were already due, and this nobody was paying it. And we were doing did the same thing I did last year with the VRBOs um, uh, uh, to put them in the same category. So the locals and the state are flush with revenue because we're now collecting the tax that was already due. Um, and uh, you know, as you can tell, our our budget is bulging right now. And the temptation 
is to spend it like drunken sailors, <laughs> uh, which we typically, um, as a politician, you want to do so that you can go back home, look what I've done. Um, but I certainly hope that, and, and of course, those, all of us on the Ways and Means Committee feel like we ought to um, give back to those, the, the working folks that make all this stuff possible. Uh, and I'm one of those. And, and of course, the thing that um, similarly that bubbles to the top, we're the only state, I believe, in the South that taxes um, revenue that comes from our retired uh, service people. And, and we shouldn't tax that revenue. This is uh, all the other ones, even the ones that are, of course, income tax free. Um, our service people that are looking to retire usually have another job, which we would do income, have an income tax on. And is usually rather uh, lucrative in that private job. So um, we, most of us feel like we need to go that route. I think we're probably going to get it done this year. We've been pushing for so long, um, but we would be foolish to go and, and spend this money um, rather um, short-sighted, if you will, and, and not do the things for the people that have got us here. And I think people on the coast should, should really step back and kind of look at this because we're right across the border from South Carolina, which doesn't tax these retirement benefits. You go farther down the coast, uh, people that come out of Kings Bay, they can live in Florida and avoid, well, they can avoid all state income taxes down there. But the whole idea that, you know, you put in your 20 years of service, you, you get your full military retirement benefit and okay, I want to live in Savannah and work for Gulfstream or for whoever, you're more than likely to go ahead and live across the river in South Carolina just so you can save a little bit of tax money. And, and yeah, it's to me, that's one of these that is, is a little bit, it lacks common sense. How much of a hit, and I, you might not, you probably do have this off of your head. How much of a hit would that be for the budget? Is it like $100 million a year or something? Yeah, it's, it's a big hit. It's, um, but, but it's time. You know, if, if we work to the ends to try to get our revenue up to where it's sustainable, if you will, um, then the people that, uh, and I'm always one to try to level the playing field. I've carried legislation for Gulfstream, the ports, the, and the business community all across, um, you know, yacht refits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and always it's about making us competitive with the other states. And it's the same way with income tax cut that gets us uh, in line with North Carolina, one of our, our, um, our primary competitors. Um, but exactly the same argument that we use for the retirement benefits of these uh, uh, these folks that have put in their uh, their years and, and want to retire. Uh, when all of our none of our other states around us uh, tax their um, their retirement income, then the idea that Georgia is going to be the only one to do it is just silly. A mm-hmm. time that we can do something about it. I think you're probably going to hear from that early, and um, and I suspect that the governor is going to jump on board. It is an election year uh, for better. And um, but it, it's time, and uh, and I'm gonna be, uh, I hope, one of the first four or five signers on the bill. Aside from a cut or or other cuts, there's also other ways. You said spend it like a drunken sailor, but you can spend some of it in, in other ways. And I know that that one has been talked about and has been done in the past is fully funding the QBA formula for education. Of course, the governor has said that his campaign promise almost four years ago was that he would give teachers a raise. I think there's still some money owed in that promise. Uh, I know mental health is a big issue that 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 the legislature, certain people in the legislature want to spend more money on mental health. What are some of those areas that, that aside from cutting and, and returning those dollars, where are some areas where we could spend it more wisely that you think are going to get pushed through in the budget this year? 
again, you know, we got halfway there with the teacher pay raise that the governor promised. Uh, uh, you can expect that to come out of his um, his budget recommendations that we'll get. Um, you know, we'll be in the first week, then the second week we'll get um, um, the we'll get the budget. The House will, and we'll start working on it. Uh, he'll probably on Wednesday when everybody gets back from the national championship game. I hope. Mm-hmm. And as successful winners of uh, of the national championship came with uh, Georgia football, um, but once once all, we all get back Wednesday, I, I would imagine Wednesday or Thursday morning he'll give us his budget and we'll be able to work at it from there. Uh, you can expect one of the top things going to be um, fulfilling the promise for the for the teacher raise that that um, uh, and of course we are the highest. By the time we do that, we'll be the highest in the South in paying our teachers as we should, and they're never enough. Um, we fully funded QBE a couple of years ago. Uh, for me, the problem is, is uh, you know, that was back, and we've never done that before, by the way. Um, that's the problem is the formula. It needs to be reworked um, because it's an old formula, and everybody knows that. So fully funding the QBE is like saying, well, I made the same, uh, exactly the same amount as I made 20 years ago. Well, you know, that's not worth the same as it was then. We, the formula needs to be some, have some revamping to it. Uh, but you can expect those two issues to bubble up pretty darn quick in the in the early part of the session. Really looking forward to the governor's budget. Um, but if I had to guess, the first thing out of there is going to be uh, fulfilling the promise for teacher pay rates. Let's turn right now to some local issues. I know that you, you've been through a lot of meetings in the last uh, month, month and a half with, with different governmental boards and different groups and, and, and uh, the Chamber of Commerce and some others. They've given you legislative agendas. What are some of the things? I mean, we know the convention center still needs a little bit, a little bit of money, but the state's put a lot of money in there, so it's kind of hard to imagine they wouldn't go ahead and finish that. What are some of the local things uh, that you're going to be carrying this term? You know, that's a really big deal. It's ninety million dollars. Um, I want to say um, uh, the the we on the on coastal Georgia got a, probably the largest chunk. Uh, maybe 17 to 20 percent of the entire bond package whenever Mm -hmm. um, whenever we came out and you're not looking at that but it was our turn you know we spent at 1.25 percent of the entire budget whenever we started the world congress center and people just don't understand i think the impact even though there's a lot of folks that think we've maxed out on tourism uh, for savannah Um, but the amount of of dollars that come in that taxpayers for property taxes don't have to pay from the tourists. They come in, there's clean industry. They, uh, especially those conventions that come in uh, directly affects the airport. Um, and then the trickle down effect. And you never know how many people who's, who, um, who come here for the tourism piece uh, that may decide to invest, if you will, uh, right. in, in the long-term capital things for other jobs. So that, that trades, uh, convention center is a very, very big deal, and and uh, all of us in the delegation are working nonpartisan, if you will, to make sure that we get that uh, to fruition. I expect that'll come out in the budget as well. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things down the road. Of course, the county, um, I think I mentioned their, their uh, maps, that they're yeah, the county and the school board maps. Um, we, we're on a time crunch up here, so we have to... Uh, get these things um, passed and over to the Senate. And we have five days to do that, but um, draw it up, get it cleared over across the street, if you will, the reapportionment office. Mm-hmm. 
really needs to be signed by the governor by mid-February. So we're under the gun uh, just to give the folks back home enough time by the uh, primary, if you will, to be able to get these folks um, um, to be able to get all the stuff logged in. So it's, uh, it's a time crunch. If we don't get it in time, then of course people would run on the old maps, but we prefer with the new, um, new things going on that we get this done uh, as early as all possible. I'd like to give a, a shout out to um, the fastest growing county in the whole state, and that's the county of Brown. They've done some amazing, amazing stuff with the county, the school board, the, um, the city, one of the few cities I know that has a surplus, um, significant surplus. And the vision for putting in infrastructure with the coming growth is um, they need a pat on the back for that because I've seen in other places where we've just been overrun and nobody Let's start with a P and end with an R. I'm not going because <laughs> I represent the city and they and and quite honestly they um they have done an amazing job because whenever I was first elected, um you, you know of course I had black hair, but there was nothing there and my daughter used to ride horses out in Godly Station area over there whenever it was nothing but pasture so. Um, things have happened very, very rapidly. Um, the saving grace to this whole development scenario out in, in Bryan County, especially with the new intersection Belfast siding road there um, on 95, that it's, it's by one landowner. So the, um, all the property there will be slowly developed, methodically developed, and it'll be, as I can foresee it, be something similar to um, – uh, the landings, which is still developing today, and they started that, as you might imagine, with you being the landowner way back. That's going to be a real, a real showplace for folks. And, and of course, with the brand new school system, uh, brand new schools built over there very close. Uh, and the people that are coming here, a lot of which are retirees from the military, um, have a real showplace to live and, and a place to be proud of. So I'm, I'm very proud to represent them and and uh, and Bloomingdale and and uh, Pooler as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I drove through there of the Belfast area over the holidays, and it's just it, it's developing every every day. I mean, literally yeah. something every time I go through there, something new is is going up. So it's coming along fast. Uh, you and I can't sit and talk about legislative matters without talking about gambling. Of course, I think this is year probably like twelve. For you with gambling legislation, uh, it got it seemed to inch a little bit closer last year. Uh, do you see anything new on the on the gambling front? Yeah, uh, I'm carrying it in the House. It came out of the Senate in March. Whenever we left up here, uh, and of course this has to do with um, sports betting. Uh, whenever it, we've got a constitutional amendment that came out of the Senate and uh, and the House, which surprised me quite honestly that that they did it before us. Um. But there's two, all this money, of course, would go towards hope and pre-K. And you start thinking about the, uh, the two million uh, Georgians that had the opportunity to lift themselves up um, since the inception of hope two and a half decades ago. Um, and the 1.4 million families that got an opportunity to get an early start with pre-K, it's going to be difficult for votes to vote against $100 million in pre-K funding, especially whenever they have their phone today and they can do it already. So essentially all they're going to be voting on now is the ability for hope for, for the, uh, the, the lottery to go ahead and, and participate in something they're already doing. 
uh, through an app. Uh, and all they're going to be doing is collecting the revenue. So essentially, those folks are going to be placed in a position to vote against hope. That's right. going to be difficult. Right. So if that passes out, that would then go on the ballot in November. November. Okay. Uh, beyond the sports betting, I know that casino uh, casino betting is something that you've carried in the past. Uh, horse racing has been carried in other parts of the state. Is is that is that still on the horizon this session or no? No, it'll be, um, if I had to guess, it's something that will uh, continue the conversation the following year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, the, it, the legislation, it, there may be some language that would, um, uh, that would allow, the, for the first time, local control so that if this ever came about, the only way that it can happen is the county itself, the taxing authority, would have mm-hmm. to vote for it. So unless you, it can't come there. So it would be essentially a, we had a conversation yesterday about this is uh, whenever we, um, and if and when this comes about, that the counties that participate would have to vote to allow it to come in. Okay. So they, so it would have to be a state level, a state vote, and then a county level and a county vote. So it's, even if it were to get through, I'm using the air quotes here, through the legislature in the next couple of months, it's not going to be a reality for several years down the road, and, and it's going to take several votes of the people, not just the, the representative government. Right. Okay. Uh, let's wrap up by talking about, I made mention of some partisan stuff. Of course, it is election year, which means that uh, with the primary and, and in this state, quite frankly, we've got a very heated primary, especially on the Republican side where we, for lack of a better way to put it, we kind of have two camps in terms of, of the Republicans. So they're going to be pushing certain legislation that can appeal to certain parts of the base. So you're going to have things like the governor came out just the other day and talked about uh, support for constitutional carry on gun rights. Uh, there's talk uh, of abortion. I think that's kind of on hold, kind of waiting to see what the Supreme Court does with some other cases as to what they'll do with the Georgia law that's currently on hold. Uh, there's mention of some critical race theory legislation uh, in a, you know, the Medicaid waivers have, have that were passed a couple of years ago are still kind of floating out there. The Biden administration has blocked them. So there's going to be a big push from the Democratic side to do Medicaid expansion. There's a lot of these very partisan issues that are going to be floating around. And quite frankly, my thought, Ron, is that it's, it's going to kind of dominate the session. Uh, how do you kind of deal? This is nothing new. You, you guys have dealt with this in other years, especially in election years. How do you deal with those polarizing issues and kind of keep your eye on the ball on these other things? And that's something that, that for those of us that, are, that have got gray hair now and no hair at all, um, that we've lived through for um, several election cycles. And, and you have to have those partisan issues to, to get um, just, there's something that you do during an election year. But you can't, it's like you say, you can't take your eye off the ball about the things that are really important. Um, so, you know, the, the stuff on abortion is in the courts. We're done with that. Um, we, we did what we were supposed to do in the, in the session. And it's, I don't think you're going to see us talk about that anymore. Um, it, it, it's unfortunate, but mo- it, it reminds me of a circular firing squad whenever it comes to my party. Uh, and I hate that. You know, once upon a time, uh, the, the picture I've got on my wall here of Ronald Reagan is, um, you know, his 13th um, commandment or 11th commandment was that shalt not um, talk about another Republican. Well, uh, we've gotten real good at cutting each other down, and and it re- it sticks a knife in my heart to see that because it's, uh, and then people are continually 
the one word I hate more than anything else is the uh, is the Rhino Republican. And again, I look back to my um, my hero up here to my right. He said, you know, that if you're 80 percent, uh, we're in agreement, 80 percent, then you're not my enemy. Um, and I don't I don't know how we've gotten to this point, um, which is kind of um, uncomfortable, if you will, uh, to walk into um, a friendly party. And I think of all the things that we've accomplished for, for my, uh, especially my Republican colleagues, the heartbeat bill, we've got a governor that that stood strong and uh, and got that particular bill passed and we've got a governor that had a backbone quite honestly that when other states uh, like california and 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 new york and others which has an unemployment rate of like seven percent and quite honestly still wants to be closed down our state has full employment again and that one of the reasons that we're able to cut income taxes this year and and some other things is because we put Pete said, we're going back to work. We're going to work through this stuff. Now, I can remember the big lump that he had in his throat whenever in backbone when you got to stand up and, and do something like that. Well, that's a leader for you. Uh, and do it sometimes whenever you're popular. You don't do it sometimes whenever, um, you know, you've got noise coming from all around. But but he did. And, and, um, and I got nothing but, but praise for the man for doing it. Um, you, you know, our economy has never been better. Um, and and the, the, the strength of our economy and what we have the ability to do is uh, like no other state in the country. And uh, you've got to be able to stand strong. Uh, sometimes you, I wish we weren't so partisan, especially during the uh, during the election years. But I guess that's part of it. Um, but it's it's um, we're coming into a uh, very strange times um, and times. And of course, I'm looking at. And my TV now and some of the things that are going on on January 6th of last year. And then I'm also scanning around to see in some of the cities that were being burned. Um, and I'm thinking, um, where am I living? Um, so I'm hoping that that um, our country, uh, especially our country and, and our state, uh, can begin to look at each other as your brother again and, and uh, lift each other up whenever we're down, help those that can't help themselves. Um, pat those on the back that will help themselves and and uh, help them find a way, which is why I'm so um, behind a Democratic governor that passed the Hope uh, Scholarship and the Hope Grant mm-hmm. has given, um, like I say, two million people the opportunity to get an opportunity that they never may not have had, um, and that took a backbone. Um, so, you know, and that's a nonpartisan remark. Right. Right. Well, all the best to you in terms of patience and, and understanding. And uh, we certainly appreciate uh, the work that you do up there and the rest of our legislators, uh, regardless of party. That's one good thing about the Chatham delegation is when it comes to getting things done for Savannah and the coast, you guys certainly come together and get it done. And we always appreciate that. And we will look forward to talking to you as the session goes on. I'm very humble to serve. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks one more time to Representative Stevens. Other news of note in Savannah today. The iconic globe at Durano White Bluff, which is actually a huge tank that once held natural gas, has been incorporated into the design for a new shopping center on the site. Local convenience store mogul Greg Parker purchased the globe in the surrounding 3.4 acres last year and recently unveiled plans for a Starbucks, a Chick-fil-A, and of course a Parker's Kitchen convenience store for that property. 
the new businesses are expected to open this summer. Elsewhere, the Omicron variant of COVID-19 is shuttering Savannah Public Schools, although not all of them and not for long. A teacher and staff shortage closed three high schools this week, but the district intends to reopen them as early as next week as educators sidelined by the virus return. The district says it remains committed to keeping schools open, but is prepared to employ virtual learning as needed, as was the case with the three high schools. And in sports news, new Georgia Southern football coach Clay Helton has added a veteran quarterback to his roster via the transfer portal. Kyle Van Treese was a three-year starter at the University of Buffalo and threw for 1,861 yards and eight touchdowns in the 2021 season. Three different quarterbacks, all of them returning, played extensively for the Eagles last fall, setting up quite the quarterback competition headed into spring practice. Read those stories and more at savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. Get full access to savannahnow.com and our mobile app for just $49 for the next year. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. That's all for the Thursday Commute Podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns next Tuesday. Thanks for listening and enjoy your weekend.